live from the Poly Market Studio in LA. It's the Young Turks. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Woo! It's up! Drop it like Donald Trump's net worth. It is a great day in the news and a great day to join us here on the Power Panel. I am John Arola, very lucky to be joined on the program today by, to my immediate your left, I guess, Francesca Fiorentini, the habituation room. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I see you're wearing Was festive colors for this celebratory day. Yes, yes, I am. I have planned this. Thank you. Awesome. <laughs> okay, and to the more left of you, Trey Crowder, comedian, host, often guest on the damage report as well. Trey, it's great to have you here. Yeah, long time no see, buddy. That's a joke because I saw you yesterday. But it it's good to be back. <laughs> it's good to have you here. We had uh, we had talked a little bit about the forthcoming verdict in the uh, New York civil fraud lawsuit yesterday. Mm -hmm. Well, now we have it, and don't worry, everyone. We're going to be getting to that in just a sec. But in addition to that, and a wrinkle in that story that I was telling Edwin before the show. I think sometimes Donald Trump does stuff just for me. Like he does what I would want him to do, and I have an example of that on today's show. We are, of course, going to be talking about Alexei Navalny's tragic passing and some of the reactions to that. Updates on what's going on in Georgia in terms of Fonnie Willis and that investigation, the updated testimony there. And there's just been this AI video bombshell dropped in the last 24 hours, and we're gonna be taking a look at that and what that potentially means for America. So all of that to come, and that's just the first hour. Obviously, stick around for the second hour because it's gonna be a lot of fun. And hit the like button as we launch into this first story. Judge Arthur Engron has ruled that Donald Trump is going to owe, in the New York civil fraud lawsuit, $355 million. And that is just for starters, with interest that could well hit $400 million. And a number of other people in his orbit are gonna owe money. A number of people, including Donald Trump, are gonna be banned from participating in businesses in New York. We're gonna give you all of those details. But before we get into those, in addition to the monetary penalty, I wanted to give you a quote from the judge who said this about Donald Trump and the other defendants in this case. Their complete lack of contrition and remorse borders on pathological. Defendants are incapable of admitting the errors of their ways. And that is a quote from Arthur Engron on this case. But I also think it nicely summarizes like this whole time in American politics, the whole Trump thing, the MAGA thing. Write that someday on the gravestone of Donald Trump and that political movement. But um, they wouldn't admit that they were wrong. And that remains true after this verdict has come out. We're gonna have Donald Trump as well as his lawyer, Alina Habba's reactions to this. So stay tuned <laughs> for that. But first, we wanna give you a little bit more information about what actually happened. So they did this exhaustive survey of the Trump Organization. It's finances, the way it was valuing properties, and they found a number of different problems. So between 2014 and 2021, they estimated that Donald Trump overvalued his assets by just a little bit. 
$800 million to $2.2 billion, which obviously has massive implications on things like taxes and insurance and ability to get loans. So later on, when we go to Donald Trump saying that it doesn't matter that he's done this, just bear in mind, that is not a small thing. He didn't kind of break the law here in terms of fraud. He broke it about as thoroughly as anyone, at least in New York history, ever has. So kudos to Donald Trump on that. But we wanna get into the penalties. They're large and exhaustive. And in addition to the financial penalties, the Trump Organization is going to have to obtain prior approval, not as things are now subsequent review from Judge Barbara Jones, who's been an independent monitor of the organization for some time. That's gonna go on for three more years. So to try to stop them from continuing to misrepresent in epic fashion the value of their assets, they basically have someone who's chaperoning them as they continue on kind of as a business. So a little bit embarrassing there. And also on top of the $355 million for Donald Trump, Eric Trump is gonna have to pay a little bit over $4 million. Donald Trump Jr. is gonna have to pay more than $4 million. Alan Weisselberg, former I believe CFO of the Trump org, is gonna have to pay $1 million. And there's obviously consequences beyond that. But I wanna give our panel a chance to jump in. So Francesca, I'm gonna start with you. This is about as high as anyone thought it was going to be. What are your thoughts? Yeah, um, it's a good day. And look, I think it's wonderful that Donald Trump is, I mean, arguably he's been convicted of his favorite kind of crime, white collar crime. We all know he loves the whites, right? And so he's got it, there he is. And. <clears throat> I also find it so funny that like every single step of the way in this trial, they screwed themselves and made themselves so unlikable to the judge. They did everything the judge asked them not to do, even in the closing arguments. Hey, don't turn this into a campaign speech. That's exactly what he did. And Donald Trump was shut down. Like, hey, hey, lawyer for the defendant, don't go outside and like, start squawking to the media about how this is a rigged trial. Like all of these things got you to that figure of, you know, whatever the 300 and what are we doing? $54 million and then some with all the interest. And then my favorite part is the implications, which is like, he might have to sell off his property, mm. right? Like this is, and no one is gonna be buying Mar a Lago for what, one point? Eight billion dollars. That's what he's. <laughs> it, it's worth ten times that. Like so, they they said it was between eighteen and twenty eight million. That was the Palm Beach County property appraiser, and he said it was worth one point eight billion. Nobody, it's not. I am very excited for the. Um, I don't know the cameo accounts. <laughs> Heaven forbid the only only fans accounts that are to come. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, on that note, I was going to say $354 million. How many uh, digital trading cards of himself <laughs> with abs is he going to have to sell to the roofs <laughs> to cover that? You know what I mean? You got to fire up another uh, grifting campaign. Not that those ever stop, you know what I mean? But uh, I really appreciate that quote from the judge about there it being a pathological inability to accept any kind of responsibility or admit any wrongdoing. Because like you said, John, that does kind of sum them up. I mean, I don't expect that to stop now, even after this. You know, I mean, if the defamation trial is any indication, he's probably just going to respond to this with even more fraud. I'm mean, like, you know, his response to this fraud uh, guilty verdict is just going to be doing a bunch of super fraud, I assume. And hopefully he will eventually get taken down for that too. It's also <laughs> kind of, it's nice because I feel like people who hate Trump have been saying for a long time, you know, that. He was full of it when it comes to his business acumen mm. and how it's overstated. Like, you know, his fans, that was part of their whole thing from the very beginning. Like, he's a great businessman and maybe this country needs to be ran like a business. And detractors were like, but he's really not, though. He's, he's sunk casinos. He's lying about how much money he has, you know. Yeah. And they've been beating that drum for a long time. So it's nice to see, like, a, a court, the judicial system, vindicate that stance or sort of, you know, yeah. um, illustrate that for the public. I know that that's not going to matter and they're not going to hear it or buy it, but still, I appreciate it. They're yeah. going to pay for it though. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, he's certainly going to try with those NFTs of him with abs and riding a lion or whatever. They're definitely going to try, but um, 
He has a lot of money. Look, with interest and all that, and, and by the way, he has 30 days to either put up this money or get a bond for the money. And obviously, there's interest Ooh. on those bonds. So this could be $400 million. E. Jean Carroll could be $100 million. $500 million is a lot, even for a guy who pretends to be a billionaire. That's gonna hurt him. And you know, the penalties against some of these other figures are far lower, but you know, $4 million for Don Jr., that's that's certainly gonna cut into his travel fund. And by that I mean it's gonna be harder for him to hit the slopes, I think is how they talk about his hobby. The mm. slopes, the snow, <laughs> the powder. I think he likes skiing is what I'm gonna say. But anyway, <laughs> um, in addition to the money, let's just quickly go over the fact that this does have consequences going forward pending appeal. Obviously, they're gonna appeal this like they appeal everything. Good luck to them. So there are gonna be consequences on their ability to participate in businesses. So we're gonna jump around a little bit, apologies to the control room. But Donald Trump, Alan Weisselberg, Jeffrey McConney won't be able to serve as the officer or director of any New York corporation or other legal entity in New York for a period of three years. So it's not a permanent thing, but it's a few years. Donald Trump and the Trump Organization and its affiliates won't be able to apply for loans from any financial institution chartered by or registered with the New York State Department of Financial Services. For a period of three years, which I think based on the last few years means they just won't be able to be rejected for loans for the next three years, but they can't even try. And Eric Trump and Don Jr. are gonna, they're banned from serving as an officer or director of any New York corporation or other legal entity for a period of two years. So theoretically, they won't be able to you know, lead up the Trump organization, but I'm not too worried about them. Obviously, with their expertise and their business experience, they'll be able to hire, be hired on as a CEO of some other company in some other part of the country or the world. I mean, they're international businessmen. They earned their positions. But anyway, of course, there will be appeal. And they're going to try, by the way, while the appeal plays out, they're, they're already previewing a motion that would suspend the bar on them serving in these positions, Donald Trump all the way down to his kids, so that they would continue to be able to head up the Trump Organization while that goes forward. Any quick thoughts about the non-monetary components of this? It doesn't feel like it's long enough, three yeah. years, like that is plenty of time, he's still gonna somehow be relevant, whether inside of the White House or outside of it, or inside the White House forever. I think that what sucks about this case is that it is compounded with every other criminal case. Like I just wish he could focus his crimes on one <laughs> thing or the other, because this truly is the one that he cares the most about. And it's the one, to Trey's point, that his base should care the most about. Like if they think that he's some wildly successful businessman, no, he did that by lying. Yeah. He got the loans to then make his investments by lying. Of course, he would sort of laud it and say, that's what anyone would do. And, you know, That's just <laughs> called good accounting. No, it's called fraudulent criminal accounting and you got caught for it. Yeah. But the fact that it comes like again with so everything else, the election interference and the and Jan Six and the classified documents. People can't keep their head on straight about it, even though I think this is the one that the MAGA base should care the most about. Yeah, because of reputation. Yeah, and I I agree, you know, but it being too short, I was definitely hoping for more on that front. Although, yeah, you know, as you were saying, as you were alluding to, John, the the children. Trump Jr. and Eric, they'll be fine, if not for the CEO reasons you name, but because this court did not ban them from doing drugs and shooting endangered species and launching into <laughs> or just cattle diatribes into the digital ethos ether you know what i mean like they could still do the things they love the most so you know i think they'll find some way to soldier on they're probably okay yeah yeah and look we have to be fair obviously as you can tell from the last 12 minutes we're very fair people we're going to get donald trump's response in just a sec but before that i do want to say um, and Francesca alluded to this with wanting him to focus on his crimes. There are a lot of different crimes and a lot of different trials and all of that. Like the hush money one popped up again this week. I didn't even know that was still a thing and this is my job. <laughs> I just follow this every day. Um, but that said, we're not gonna get justice in all of them, okay? That's clearly the case. We already haven't in some areas. But as depressed as I always am about American politics, I mean, you can literally see in my face the damage that all of this is doing to me. <laughs> I'm very glad about the two that we've gotten justice on so far because symbolically they really cut to the heart of some of the things that have always bothered me. And I think a lot of you the most about Donald Trump. This, this really summarizes you've gotten away for decades basically entirely lying about your brand, your abilities, your success, you as a businessman. One of the main pillars of Donald Trump is that he's a good businessman. 
He's not, he's a fraud and a con man and he always has been. And now he's been hit with one of the biggest judgments for like, an, like a company of that size in American history. So that should cut down that pillar of who he is. And E. Jean Carroll is really the other one. It's his bravado in thinking he can do whatever he wants to women. He can do whatever he wants, he can say whatever he wants about them. He can assault them and then spend decades lying about it and get away with it. Except now he can't. And that cuts down the other leg of who Donald Trump is. He's been hit on the false business bravado and the, the virulent toxic misogyny. There's mm -hmm. just one or two others remaining. If we can get him on January 6th, that's kind of one of the big yeah. ones, his lies about democracy. Yeah. And it kind of feels like there should be something about Barack Obama's birth certificate. That one's still sort of lingering back there. He's probably gonna be fine when it comes to that. But I am very glad about these two. It feels almost like justice. But that said, why don't we move to Donald Trump's response to all of this. It took a while, but after it was announced that he would be paying about a third of a billion dollars in the New York civil fraud trial, Donald Trump did take to True Social to bleat his disapproval of the decision saying, the justice system in New York State and America as a whole is under assault, racist, corrupt AG Tish James, who I will remind you, he refers to as peekaboo. He calls her a racist and he uses a racist slur against her that he made up as like a loophole for racism. Just a reminder, she's obsessed with getting Trump. He has a tremendous business, blah, blah. There's violent crime in New York, so I guess his white collar crimes shouldn't count. It's one of the most elitist stances you can possibly have that the rich should be fine so long as the poors are committing crime. How dare you come after the rich? And for some reason, the populist MAGA movement doesn't have a problem with that. But he describes the uh, the decision as a complete and total sham. There were no victims, no damages, no complaints, only satisfied capital B banks and insurance companies. Great financial statements. The Trump brand is ironclad <laughs> with disclaimers and blah, blah, blah. All the other side had was a ridiculous 18 million dollar valuation of Mar-a-Lago, blah, 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 a whole bunch of other stuff. I'm gonna remind you, they went through, especially with Eric Trump, individual properties and how much they overvalued them. There was one property, I think it was Seven Springs or something like that. And it was independently assessed as being worth $5 million. So Eric Trump said, we're gonna value it at $161 million. Because we're going to pretend that there are mansions on the property, there weren't. There just weren't, but we're gonna pretend that they are. And then years go by, they keep being told you really need to stop valuing this at that point. And he kept saying, no, we're just gonna keep doing it. So when he complains about Mar-a-Lago, just bear in mind, they were overvaluing things to like the better part of one to two billion dollars. But he's mad, again, none of this is a defense against what has been alleged. Um, but he's angry, and I'm gonna give you just one more reaction. This is from uh, his legal representative to the media, 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 Alina Haba. This verdict is a manifest injustice, plain and simple. It is the culmination of a multi-year politically fueled witch hunt that was designed to quote, take down Donald Trump before Letitia James ever stepped foot into the Attorney General's office. Countless hours of testimony proved that there was no wrongdoing, no crime, and no victim. Given the grave stakes, we trust that the appellate division will overturn this egregious verdict, she writes, and end this relentless persecution against my clients. Let me make one thing perfectly clear. This is not just about Donald Trump, she says. If this decision stands, it will serve as a signal to every single American that New York is no longer open for business. I mean, the case could be made that this is gonna serve as a signal to people doing business in New York that you could have a little bit more faith in the financial information that is being presented to you. You know, if you're a bank or something, there's gonna be a little bit less chance that rich people are gonna try to lie to you about what things are worth because we're actually going to follow the law. 
And again, like they're they're still pretending, like Judge Engron said, they have no ability to show remorse or understanding of their crimes. It's not disputable that they did this. The paper trail for individual properties is there. They kept being told this is what it's worth, and they kept lying over and over and over again. Sorry, Alina, but that's just what happened with your client. Trey, I want to start with you. What do you think? Yeah, no, like like you said, it's nice to see. Like you said, the court should restore some faith in and you know. Operating in the this upper echelon of the business realm in New York and proving that you can't just do this, I guess, anymore. Before the verdict came down, realizing how long they had gone about just being this fraudulent and getting away with it for so long. It was part of an ongoing revelation that I had had recently when I, I, mean, I guess I'm just super naive because you know I'm a trailer baby. I don't know about money stuff, but like <laughs> when I saw all those, remember that all, all those documentaries came out around the same time about like Anna Delvey and Elizabeth Holmes and Tinder yes. Swindler and all those people. I remember watching those and they're out and, and being like, oh, wow, you can just like, you can just like lie to, to rich people and you can then just be a rich person if you like. Like if you're brazen enough mm -hmm. and shameless enough, you could just lag your way into being a rich person, you know. And that's been like Trump's mo forever. So again, I'm glad to see, um, you know, uh, this court tried to do something about that. Another very brief note from way earlier. You mentioned that uh, racist loophole he had. I feel like. 50 plus percent of these people's brain power is devoted to being able to be racist, but with a modicum of plausible deniability. You know, <laughs> like that's one of their number one pursuits. There ain't no whistle like a dog whistle. They find any way they can to be racist in public, but still be able to act like they're not. So totally. just wanted to throw that note in there. But I will push back and say he didn't start off. Like Anna Delvey ostensibly started off with nothing. Donald oh, Trump right. it like was born with a silver spoon yes. in his mouth and he still managed to bankrupt whatever his dad gave him. And this is, here's the thing. I love the idea that there's no victim. They keep on saying there's no victim. And let this be a lesson to every white collar criminal out there. Let's keep going when it comes to real estate investors, when it comes to the 1%, basically swindling the rest of us. Because when you overvalue your own you know, uh, uh, properties. When you drive up the price of your properties, what does that do to wherever you are? You know, wherever your properties are, what does it do to Manhattan? What does it do to New York City? Yeah. Right? Like mm -hmm. there is an impact on that. What does it do when you when the burden of your bankruptcies is thrust upon the state or on the taxpayers? Right? Yep. Like it. It's BS to say that there is no victim here. It's just that white collar criminals never get nabbed. And to honestly, to Trump himself, who has said this, like he could have had a very nice life if he just wasn't president. And he really could have. He was a celebrity. NBC resuscitated his, you know, 80s tired ass from, you know, making The Apprentice. He didn't have to run for president. He could still have $400 million and have, and like, Yep. You know, not be facing criminal charges. Unfortunately, he was as arrogant as he was stupid. Well, we have yes. one more small angle of this story. If you will indulge me, I have been waiting to talk about this. After it was announced that Donald Trump was going to owe close to $400 million in the civil fraud suit, I, like many people, wondered what is he going to say about this? The meltdown is going to be amazing. And so I loaded up his truth social, and it took about 10 minutes, and he posted a message. But it wasn't about the fraud trial. In fact, he didn't post about that for about an hour. Former president hit with hundreds of millions of dollars in fines, wasn't on his mind. Do you know what was on his mind? What he posted about in that first crucial hour? He posted this. It says the fake news used artificial intelligence to create the picture on the top left. These are despicable people, but everyone knows that. The other pictures of me hitting capital G golf balls today to show the difference. Sadly, in our country, fake news is all you get. That is an image that he thinks <laughs> was created by AI to make him look fat. And that is the only thing he posted about for a solid hour after finding out that he was gonna lose basically all of his liquid wealth in the world. This image that he attributes to artificial intelligence. And the thing that's interesting to me about this isn't just that this is what he posted about. This has been on his mind. Here is what he said at a rally earlier this week. Did you see the picture of me, the horrible picture with the stomach out to here? That was, 
So what I do is I'm putting up today a picture of me actually, what I actually look like, hitting a ball, smashing the freaking ball. And you see, quite, I wouldn't say slim. I wouldn't say slim, but not bad. But the ball does go far. I would say it goes about nine times further than Biden can hit it. Really Ooh. obsessed with that. And <laughs> here is the thing that makes it even more fascinating. Not that he just posted it after getting this horrific, like maybe career ending legal news. Not that he's bringing it up repeatedly. And it isn't even that he's wrong because he's not. That is not actually a real image. Now he is wrong about it being AI generated. It was just his face photoshopped onto a literal other golfer's face. <laughs> and the reason that I know that is that this is not a new image. This was fact checked by Snopes in middle, the middle of 2017, long before AI was generating images. This image has been floating around the internet for seven years. And all of a sudden this week, it's all he can think about. He's facing 91 indictments and a number of different civil lawsuits as well. But his mind is on how dare they pretend that I'm fat while playing golf. Francesca, what do you think? Uh, I just, you know, that that rally speech makes me miss not President Trump. Like he's actually quite funny if you strip away, you know, the Nazi stuff and the storm of the Capitol and the, you know, everything else. Uh, he's actually like kind of entertaining. And remember, like I actually can enjoy him now that he's not in office. Mm -hmm. uh, of course, he's running though. But I love, yeah, I love that he decides to like fool. We all saw you at the omelet bar in Mar-a-Lago, bro. Like we saw your hungry little beady eyes. Like no shame in an omelet bar, but. I love he's like, homie, we know you wear heels so that you're constantly forward so that your tummy tucks just so yeah. you can't actually see it. Bro, really? Yeah, I mean, look, look, there's no denying that he's funny. It's just funny. And, uh, you know, he's also terrifying. Like he's funny <laughs> sort of the way Kenny Powers was funny and he's bounded down, right? But it's like Kenny Powers was fake. Like if Kenny Powers was in your life, that would be really hard to deal with, let alone running <laughs> the country, right? And that's like, because he's just so brash and insane and says the most ridiculous things. And like, yeah, like I was a fat kid growing up. I wish I could have the type of like confidence in how I look as he clearly has. You know what I mean? Like, I wish I could trade my brand of body dysmorphia for his, at least take it for a test drive because it's pretty... Pretty powerful stuff he's got. And but yeah, the end of that, I could not help but laugh at the end of that when he starts to just smash in that golf ball nine times at least what Biden can do. And it's like, I do laugh at it, but you know, that's one of the we cannot he cannot be allowed to win again because if he does, he's gonna, you know, dismantle democracy and install himself yeah. as a dictator, probably. And I'm saying we're gonna have to put up with that type of Kim Jong un no. type of rhetoric about the dear leader hitting 18 holes in one in one <laughs> round of golf. You know what I mean? And breaking the land speed barrier and a car he <laughs> built in his garage or whatever. Like But Trey, what don't you think that that he planted the idea that that Biden and he should just have a golf off and whoever wins <laughs> wins? Sure, I'm sure I he'd love that. Yeah. Because we know he, John, we've talked about how he cheats at golf consistently, oh, right? Oh, yeah. It's well established. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, anyway, look, obviously a stupid element of this. I, I will close by being a Buzz Killington. Don't Photoshop Donald Trump to look heavier. First of all, I know that he's your yeah. enemy and he's an objectively bad guy, but being heavy is does not like it doesn't make you a villain. It doesn't make you a bad person. So don't exaggerate his body. It's just a weird thing to do. Uh, that said, I will also say Donald Trump. Like he cannot see on True Social an image that like a Facebook mom has AI generated of him with an Apache helicopter in the background and a lion marching next to him in six pack abs that he doesn't retweet. So he's got like he likes the AI, AI images as long as they make him look mm -hmm. good. So a little bit of glass houses there. In any event, we have to take our first break of the hour. Lots of news to get to after this. Welcome back to the show, one and all. If you're just joining us now, please hit the like button and welcome to all the new members. I actually did not in the social break get to all of the new members. I will attempt to in the next break, but thank you and welcome aboard as we launch into incredibly serious news starting with this. 
According to the official account, this morning, Alexei Navalny was taking a walk that he immediately began to feel unwell, quickly lost consciousness, that prison medical staff reacted, but that they were unable to revive him and that he died. One of Navalny's top aides said, this is, if it is true, and we don't know if it's true, and his lawyer is on his way to the penal colony now, that it is not a case of Navalny died, but Putin killed Navalny. And so, as you can see, one of the most persistent and powerful, brave critics of Vladimir Putin and his regime has passed. Alexei Navalny um, died while incarcerated in a Russian prison. He was 47 years old and had served for a number of years as uh, one of the figureheads and most outspoken um, uh, leaders of the opposition movement against Vladimir Putin. If you're not familiar with him, uh, his his struggle with Putin became significantly more difficult following the 2020 alleged poisoning that he experienced while in an airplane. A Soviet era neurotoxin popular with the security service of Russia apparently used against him. He suffered as a result of that for some time, survived the poisoning, but was arrested in 2021 on alleged charges including extremism, embezzlement and fraud. He was facing a 19 year sentence in a maximum security prison. And he and his team for some time have been trying to publicize how absolutely horrendous the conditions are inside of those maximum security prisons. And as you saw in that video, apparently he had been taking a walk and felt unwell. And yesterday on video, he actually looked and sounded perfectly healthy. And so this came as a shock to the world. Not a shock that doesn't have any potential explanations considering his history and who his enemy is. But we want to give you a bit of a response from his wife, now widow, who spoke at the Munich Security Conference shortly after news of Alexei Navalny's death broke. If it is true, I want Putin and all his allies. All his friends, his government, I want them all to know that they would be held responsible for what they have done with our country, with my family, with, with my husband. They will be held responsible for that and that day would come very soon. The widow being very clear there about where she thinks responsibility lies. And over the last few hours, both the president and vice president have also been clear about who they think is to blame. We've all just received reports that Alexei Navalny has died in Russia. And if confirmed, this would be a further sign of Putin's brutality. Whatever story they tell, let us be clear. Russia is responsible. Reports of his death, if they're true, and I have no reason to believe they're not, Russian authorities are going to tell their own story. But make no mistake, make no mistake, Putin is responsible for Navalny's death. Putin is responsible. What has happened to Navalny is yet more proof of Putin's brutality. Francesca, what do you think? I mean, I think. It felt like the writing had been on the wall for Alexei Navalny. Obviously, he was in the crosshairs. That's what happens when you try to make a dictatorship a democracy. That's what happens when you do the simple thing of running against a dictator like Vladimir Putin. Um, uh, my heart goes out, obviously, to the Russian people who um, believe that they could have a better country than they currently do, one that consistently lies to them, gaslights them. Um, and refuses to acknowledge any kind of opposition parties. I mean, the guy was a tank, man. The guy had survived a, the Novichok poisoning. He was at a penal colony in the Arctic Circle. I'm like, I have no idea. Like, I couldn't, I can't even wrap my brain around half of that. And the fact that he was well yesterday and then suddenly felt ill. I mean, we've seen this playbook before from Putin. Um, I think it's really important for us to distinguish one thing, which is, American response and ratcheting and sort of belligerence towards Russia with the real crime that this is. Meaning, I don't believe that our posturing against Russia helps anyone, let alone the Russian opposition. But I definitely think it is a chilling look into a future that I know we'll talk about. The Republicans in this country actually want for our nation, which is this kind of crackdown and open assassination of dissidents. Right. Yeah.
Uh, yeah, I mean, that's where I was, you know, going to go with it too. I mean, it makes me, that's exactly where my brain goes. First of all, I mean, the guy, the bravery of this guy to be doing this in, in Russia, you know, because all three of us, you know, we like, we rail against the authoritarian elements in this, as we perceive it, hellscape, right, all the time. But like, we can, you know, we can do that still, you know, for now, we can do that. Like, right. the, the things I've said about these people, the 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 pointed and frankly hilarious insults I've lobbed at them over the years from you know <laughs> the sanctity of my Jeep in my driveway and not face any real repercussions for it. And look, sometimes like like I got a buddy that uh, runs this great progressive blog called the Tennessee Holler back in Tennessee, fighting the good fight. My friend runs that, and he was all over the Tennessee three story when it was happening and in the middle of the night one night. And he he posted about this as public knowledge. Now somebody like drove by and shot his house up at like three in the morning. You know. So sometimes things like that happen, and I find myself, you know, questioning doing this here, even even now, right? So yeah. I'm just saying, I really, yeah. really, really give it up to this guy, to Alexei Navalny, for sticking with it in a country like Russia. I mean, you know, yeah. he paid the price, but like he walked the walk for sure, and I got all the respect in the world for that. But yes, as Francesca said, I'm terribly worried that if we don't watch it, if we, you know, when it'll say as vigilant as possible, we could end up in a similar position because that's certainly how, you know, yeah. the right in this country would like to see it go. So, yeah, it's uh he he went back to Russia after he could have right. he could have left. And it it just right. it seems weird that you can have in the world people like him who he didn't just like hypothetically was willing to die. He died. He gave up decades of his life for the very the minute chance that it would help his countrymen. Mm -hmm. And then you have people like you remember it was resurfaced like a week or two ago, Ben Shapiro mocking the protester who died trying to protect Palestinians, was crushed under a bulldozer and he mocked her as being stupid. Like we have people like that for whom politics is as real as anything can be, who literally give up their lives for it. And then we have people who this is all just a game. They mock protesters like that, Donald Trump mocking our soldiers, saying they're losers and suckers for giving up their life. Like all of this is a game, the rhetoric and the, the culture wars that they go on. They're already rich and powerful, they're already wealthy. They have all the money that they could ever spend in their life. And it's all just fun and games. And then you have people struggling and dying to improve the lives of other people, people they don't even know. It's weird that one species can contain those multitudes. <laughs> but as perhaps a demonstration of a little bit of that, obviously the news is broken that Alexei Navalny, the opposition figure in Russia has passed. Now at the same time, Tucker Carlson, American journalist, is traveling around Russia trying to laud their bread supply or something. Um, and interestingly, this subject kind of came up just a few days ago. Here he is in a recent interview. You should challenge in, in, in the rules of an interview, and you're a master in, in, your, in your business. Uh, it's not for me to give you a lecture about that, but you should challenge some ideas. For instance, uh, you, you, you didn't talk about freedom of speech in, in Russia. You did not talk about Navalny, about assassinations, about, about the restrictions on uh, opposition in the coming uh, elections. I didn't talk about the things that every other American media outlet talks about Why? Yes, this because is my those question. are covered and because I have spent my life talking to people who run countries in various countries and have mm. concluded the following that every leader kills people, including my leader. Every leader kills people, some kill more than others. Leadership requires killing people, sorry. That's why I would wanna be a leader. Yeah, he was asked a tough question, as I just mentioned to Edwin, a tougher question than he asked Putin when he had the opportunity and decided not to. He was too focused, I guess, on doing propaganda for an authoritarian government. Now, he is attempting to change his tune a little bit now that Navalny has died just days after he said that. He said, it's horrifying what happened in Navalny. The whole thing is barbaric and awful. No decent per, decent person would defend it. But that is kind of the thing. He's not defending it. He's trying to tell you, don't even think about it. Everybody kills, all leaders assassinate. Don't even think about it. You know, if it's over there in Russia, it's not a big deal. Hey, if it comes here to America, it's not a thing that you should think about because leaders kill people, it's perfectly fine. Just look at the architecture, look at the price of the bread, focus on that. Look at the flowers, okay? Don't think about the authoritarianism, it's creeping up behind you. 
And before we comment, I just want to go to Donald Trump, who has not yet spoken about this. Former President of the United States has nothing to say about an opposition figure being assassinated. Okay, but he has been asked in the past about Navalny, and here is what he had to say about it. He also is a person that kills journalists, political I mean, right. political opponents, yeah. and invades uh, countries. And invades countries. Obviously, uh, that uh, it would be a concern, would it not? He's running this country, and at least he's a leader. You know, unlike what we have in this country. Who do you think poisoned Alexei Navalny in Russia? Uh, we'll talk about that at another time. Yeah. Yeah, spoiler alert, they didn't. Uh, he didn't talk about it another time because honestly, he cares as little as Tucker Carlson does. It doesn't matter. He's leading his country in the same way that I want to lead this country. If somebody's inconvenient to me, you just kill him, man, because leaders kill people. That's just what it does. That's what I've learned as I've traveled. Francesca, what do you think? I mean, I, I just want to say that Tucker Carlson knows that he is not a decent person. That's why he says that. He absolutely knows. That dude has no more mirrors left in his home. He knows he is an abject POS who carries water for authoritarians like Vladimir Putin. And we've done matchups of his monologues and Putin's talking points, specifically when it comes to the war on Ukraine, a war that Russia started, and it is verbatim. Kremlin yeah. talking points. And that's just not, that's not scaremongering. That's, I'm, no one's Russia gating here. It's literally just what it's like. I don't know. Does he get a fax every morning? Like, how does it come to him? Does it a little text message? I just want to say this is a few days after. Uh, Vladimir Putin clowns on him in this interview multiple times. Mm -hmm. compl Tucker's completely out of his depth. Don't think that these things are unrelated. Do you know what I'm saying? And I, and I know maybe, maybe, oh, for Jessica, that's crazy. No, I do think Putin is a petty little man and he's a petty murderer. And he absolutely knows that Tucker Carlson is going around talking about the bread prices, talking about whatever, how great Russia is. And just like he clowned on him in the interview, just like he did that, oh, you want to be part of the CIA? So glad you didn't, oh, they didn't accept you. Don't think that the murder of his main political opponent is not well timed with a, a prominent American talking head doing his bidding and laundering his crap yeah. for him in his own country. And what, what, oh, now, now Tucker says, oh, it's indefensible. BS, we know what you said two days ago, which is everybody kills. Yep. Trey, final thoughts? Yeah, I mean, the, re, the response to, you know, what Tucker said about and then Trump and all that, it, Kind of reminds me of what I was saying earlier about like they want to be racist, but with plausible deniability. I think it's a similar thing with this type of like overtly fascist, you know, stuff when it comes up. Like they're still, they still have maintained enough of a modicum of shame or recognized enough of some kind of semblance of sanity left in the American public that they are not willing to just blatantly outright say that this is the type of future they want for this country or that they want to be able to jail. You know, dissidents or you know anyone on the other side in America, or worse, throw them out windows. You know, yeah. any of that type of thing. They do want that. They just are not quite ready yet to just openly say it. And so, at least there's that. I'm very worried that we will get there. Something will happen. Trump will come out and say, you know, and then get lauded for it, and people will hold him up even further on their shoulders, and then uh, and then it's like all bets are off after that. But for now, you know, they still have to pretend to care about you know things like democracy and you know freedom of speech. They call themselves free speech warriors, mm -hmm. but yeah. they'd love to throw us all in a gulag if they could. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, you know. stay tuned in November. We'll see if we'll take yeah. another step in that direction. For now, though, we do have to take the second break of our hour. Stick around, more to come after this. Welcome back, one and all, to what remains of the TYT Power Panel. Uh, I'm John Arola, Francesca's still here, Trey as well. Thank you guys for being here. We got some more fun stories to talk about. So uh, let's jump into this. Fulton County DA Fonnie Willis did not take the stand again earlier today because reports from her team imply that they think that her testimony yesterday provided enough defense that uh, efforts to disqualify her in the investigation into Donald Trump and what happened after the 2020 election in Georgia uh, will not actually go forward. 
which is interesting. There's been a lot of critical analysis of her testimony, but they seem confident. But that doesn't mean that they did not have anyone testify to try to provide additional bits of, uh, of evidence, including in two different areas. And we're gonna start first with questions that remain about her having reimbursed the special counsel Wade, who she had a relationship with in cash rather than in something that provides a paper trail. Here is her father, John Floyd, uh, explaining why exactly it is that that makes sense. When your daughter moved or left the house that she owned, did did she say anything to you about having a large uh, savings of cash? Oh no, she. Oh no, that see, maybe excuse me, and I, Yana, I'm not trying to be racist, okay? But it's a black thing, okay? You know, I was trained. And most black folks, they hide cash or they keep cash. And uh, I was, no, I train, you always keep some cash. I've always kept cash, I, you know, and I've told my daughter, you keep six months worth of cash always. Now, she does not keep six months of cash. She made very clear in yesterday's testimony that she does not do that, but that she always makes sure that she has some money. So while I think for a lot of people, it might seem a bit odd, in his longer testimony, and he testified for some time, I at least, look, maybe I'm in a bubble, maybe I'm biased. I found it to be a pretty compelling argument as to why it is that she might operate financially differently than other people. And there's another area perhaps more important that we will get into. And I do wanna mention that he also says that Willis let him know about her relationship with Wade in 2023, which lines up with her explanation of how the timeline worked rather than those attacking her. So her father, perhaps not surprisingly, testified in her defense. And I think in some areas was pretty compelling. But Trey, I'm gonna go to you, what did you think? Well. First of all, it's kind of funny to me because when I first heard the cash thing, I, my immediate response was like, "Oh, that's like that's like a redneck." Thing. I know so many rednecks who did that. <laughs> they didn't trust banks, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Bury bury cash in the backyard or whatever, like that type of things. Like I didn't know, but I, it's it's wild. There's a lot of overlapping uh, things like that between the two cultures more than either side would like to admit. But that's just a side note. Anyway, my thing <laughs> with this whole case is like, I just. I don't, I feel like the stakes are too high. It's too important of a thing. It's going to be that most scrutinized moment of your entire career and probably most scrutinized you'll ever have, I think, if you're in this position. And I just feel like you have to be aware of how things are going to to look, like the things are probably going to come out and how those things are going to look and how they're going to be construed. You know, as I've understood it, maybe I'm wrong, but Wade is not generally seen as being qualified for the position he has anyway. And then the amounts of money involved and then the personal relationship. And it's, I'm not saying, that there isn't an explanation for all of it. I just, I find the whole thing pretty unfortunate, frankly, given the context of this case. And I just feel like things are too important here to, to you know, not pay more attention to, you know, how things would be perceived at mm-hmm. the very least, even if all that is true. Francesca? Yeah, but um, counterpoint, like you can't deny love, you know what I'm saying? So like, <laughs> I, I just wanna throw that in there. No, I, I, I totally agree, I'm very, <laughs> Torn about this whole story because it is a massive distraction from what actually happened. And Fonnie Willis on the stand did an incredible job at defending herself and like what the stakes actually are when you're talking about 19 people involved in a massive conspiracy to defraud the people of Georgia. Like that's huge and the country. Um, I I do when I see her father on the stand, I'm like, how the hell was her dad there? You know, this is has gone way too far, but. He made a really like kind of interesting point and and I think you know to to Trey's point about a redneck thing yeah it's a, it's a working people's thing right mm-hmm. I mean it's people who are routinely denied um, bank accounts or loans or folks who don't have access to credit cards or have debt or whatnot you know it's like you know you keep cash on you in in these emergency cases because nobody you have to have a million things just to you know yeah get a basic uh, account or credit card so. Yeah, so I mean, again, I'm not a, not a huge defense, but I think it does make sense. It is, yeah, it's just a total diversion from the actual issue. Yeah, and that that is infuriating. The fact that not that you like, if she did something corrupt, then investigate her, take her off the case, or hell, if it was a crime, actually investigate her. 
But how could that possibly cause the larger crime to not be investigated? But that is clearly right. the, the, the strategy here, the legal strategy of Donald Trump and his co-conspirators. He's being very clear about that in his social media posts about it. He wants this to cancel out what he did. But that said, there was one other witness that we wanted to focus on. That is a former Georgia governor, Roy Barnes, who testified earlier today. And this wasn't about the cash thing, this was about the claim that she had already been in a relationship with Wade. And then because there would be financial benefits, she went to him to take the position rather than someone who might be better qualified or that she was not involved in a relationship with. That's sort of an important part of why they believe that she needs to be taken off this case. Well, one of the pieces of evidence here is that Roy Barnes is gonna testify to is that actually that's not the case. She went to him to fill the role before Wade. Now, he declined to take it because he was worried about it being a high profile case. He's already had experiences with violent threats and there will almost certainly be those if you're involved in this case, considering that it's Donald Trump. So take a look at a bit of his testimony. She asked me since they were beginning this investigation and she asked me if I'd be interested in being special prosecutor, to which I replied that I had mouths to feed at a law office and that I could not, I would not do that. And also, I just had a bad, well, I won't say bad because it happens from time to time, but I just had the FBI to report a fella, a militia trainer to me that said they were concerned that he was making threats against me. And because I was, I thought it was because of the flag, but I asked him and he said, no, it was because I was too close to the Jews, quote unquote. And uh, I told uh, D.A. Willis, I didn't, I'd live with uh, bodyguards uh, for four years and I didn't like it. And I wasn't gonna live with bodyguards for the rest of my life. So it kind of feels like that whole situation existing should be a bigger part of the conversation, that that's the sort of violent anti-Semitic threats against prosecutors, which is definitely a big thing. By the way, there was a report earlier this week that threats against judges and prosecutors have more than doubled in the past couple of years. I have no explanation as to why that might be. I haven't seen any high profile people conspiracy theorizing around judges and prosecutors. But but anyway, that is his argument as to why he didn't take it. But it was offered to him, he says. So it does not appear to be the case that she thought, well, I'm just gonna give it to my boyfriend. Or at the very least, it wasn't her first choice, which theoretically could be seen as a jury as arguing against what the prosecution is trying to make them believe. Trey, I'm gonna go to you for a quick comment about that. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's just like Francesca. It's just such a, it just sucks that we're talking about all of this at all. Then the, you know, the the greater case at hand here, and like you said, none of this has any bearing on what happened there, on what Trump mm-hmm. and all his co-conspirators did, and the in the you know, the uh, the implications of that for the entire country and everything. So it's just it's just a shame that this, and you th- and then you think sometimes like, well, maybe. It would be simpler because it's such a diversion. Maybe she should just be taken off of it and a different prosecutor put on this case because it is so important. But would it really be surprising if, you know, a new prosecutor in the state of Georgia specifically, you know, ended up somehow burying it or just not, you know, changing the yeah. parameters of it or just kind of mm-hmm. ruining this case? So, and, you know, you, you just don't know. This, the whole thing is just a shame. I don't know what else yeah. to say. <laughs> I think it's also really fascinating, though, that given the threats that that uh, prosecutor was facing and that, that he said that he didn't want to take on another case and the fact that it wasn't well paid. And then you see the people who have taken this on. I mean, granted, like AG Letitia James and then, you know, Fonnie Willis are obviously paid by the state. But look, this these are thankless jobs that put you in the crosshairs of the MAGA movement and they happen to be occupied by black women. And so that shouldn't be lost on anyone, and it's certainly not lost on Trump. And definitely, thank you for your service. However, stop prosecuting the protesters who want to stop Cop City in Atlanta. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Bye. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. That is that is an interesting thing that's in common with these different AGs. The other thing is, and I learned this from Donald Trump, is that weirdly, coincidentally, they're all racist against him. Mm-hmm. It's weird how that worked out. All of those black women are racist against him. Um, he'll provide evidence at some point, I'm sure. He hasn't yet, but uh, but I trust him. I think that this guy's got something anyway. Uh, look, 
we don't know exactly what the timeline is gonna be for the rest of this testimony. Um, whether it will result in her being taken off of the case or Wade being taken off the case and what that might mean for the case going forward. But it remains a possibility, a ridiculous possibility that he could just get a state level coup free because they went mm -hmm. to Napa Valley. So mm -hmm. great system we've got set up here. But anyway, I don't know how much more time we have, but I wanna lighten things up just a little bit. Talk a little bit about technology, about the future, starting with this. That video was amazing and I don't mean like that it was beautiful or whatever, even though it was, it looks like a lovely little walk around an area. It's amazing because it's entirely artificial. That did not actually happen. It wasn't even made via CGI with like a team working to create that scene. That was just an AI generated video. A few lines of text produced all of that. <laughs> And we've got a lot more and they're wild. They're all incredibly impressive and you know, span diverse subjects. We're gonna show you those. Um, but first, you just have to acknowledge that the system is shockingly capable. And it is made by the same company that has produced ChatGPT that has obviously produced a lot of conversation about AI. This new system they call Sora after the Japanese word for sky. The team chose it because it evokes quote, the idea of limitless creative potential. What also evokes the idea of limitless creative potential is creatives being able to be employed to use their talents. But probably not for long because systems like this are becoming capable at a rate that I don't think anyone expected. Now, obviously they produced this system after training it. You can see another one of the entirely artificially generated images next to us. That was literally that just John a couple Iderola? sentences. It was actually me, a couple sentences produced that and and you'll see more. They are declining to say how many videos the system learned from or where they came from. Although they did say that the training included both publicly available videos and videos that were licensed from copyright holders. So they are implying that they have not violated any copyrights in the creation of it, which many generative AI systems did initially to produce their text based ones. And that system is not publicly available right now. There's a group of testers that are trying to test it for weaknesses and exploits and obviously there are a lot of concerns about what could be done with a system like that. Maybe you'll come up with more as we show more of that video. But um, Francesca, I want to start with you. What do you what do you think about what AI can accomplish already? Meh. I mean, I don't know. I give that a C plus on the whole CG scale. Like that wasn't. I didn't didn't really do it for me. Um, here's the real thing about so-called innovation. All of it is rolled out to ostensibly make our lives easier. And apparently it requires less work and it's a greener technology. BS, BS, BS. It's always been BS when it comes to what Silicon Valley has wrought on workers of this country. And now we're talking about CG graphics artists, right? Graphics artists who, oh, lo and behold, are unionizing as we speak have formed unions, whether it's working at Marvel or other entities, right? And all of this is generated on the backs of the work that they've already done, number one. So it's already generated on human work. And then number two, there are no protections for those workers to ensure that their work is protected and that their companies will continue to hire them um, rather than sort of compete with a, an open AI new software, this Soro software. Like that's wild to me. And then uh, finally, all of it is wildly um, um, water intensive. So in order to cool down the data processing centers that create AI images and videos like the ones you see, it requires fresh water. That's right. So all of this, it's like crypto. Oh, mining crypto, it's super green. No, 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 it's not because all that stuff has to be cooled. All the data has to be cooled down on something that like a very talented graphics artist could have done if you paid them right. It is a war. On working people, even if you think it looks cool. Okay, so you you kind of like it, kind of don't. Okay, Trey, what what about you? <laughs> uh, 
I mean, you know, Francesca said meh. So I saw all this last night, all these <laughs> clips, and I was I saw it on a Reddit uh, thing. I was reading the comments on it and watching the videos, and I don't know, maybe my gummy was just kicking in in the, in the wrong way at the wrong time or something, but it really freaked me out. And it was the first time that that had happened with me and AI. The last time the three of us were on the power panel together, we talked about that George Carlin AI comedy yes. special. Yeah. And I was, and me and Francesca were both at that kind of like, ah, but you know, it wasn't actually funny. I still don't think, I, they can't achieve the same. You got to be in the room with the comic. It's a shared experience that it's, I don't know if it's ever going to replicate that. I was kind of downplaying it. And obviously, these videos aren't specific to like comedy, but just reading some of the people, you know, uh, like prognosticating where this type of thing could go in the future. And it's like, you yeah. know, feed yeah. an AI a, a book series, the text of a book series, like the Game of Thrones series or something. And it just produces a whole new different- A better ending. Better oh. ending. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. You know, whatever. It's like, and- you know, they're saying they're nowhere close to that right now. But what we've just been watching a couple years ago, people were like, oh, that's way far away, right? And now it's here. So, like, I don't know. Yeah. It is kind of freaking me out. Also, I will say as somebody who has tried and failed numerous times to get a sitcom on the air, to have many failed pilots, the idea of being able to write a script and then have <laughs> something actually come from that, even if it's computer generated, like selfishly plays for me. But at the same time, uh, yeah. that's the wider implications are, are bad because it's just going to crush the entire entertainment in industry. I saw people speculating that it might be more like social media in the future, kind of like anybody can sort of generate their own TV series or movie from whatever they put into it. And yeah. then you get popular and get followers based on that. And that's how it works. But what's the, you know, how does any of that work in terms of an industry or career or any of that? So, so I don't know. It freaked me out, y'all. I'm freaked out about it now. So I, that's I, where yeah. I'm at. I share the freaked out. I think you're totally right. Yeah, yeah. it's going to create new, like people are going to use this in a creative yeah. fashion. Um, but right. a lot of people will lose their jobs. And a lot of people's prior work is the only reason that this can exist in the first place. You're totally right about that. I have some other concerns. We'll get to that in just a sec. But first, Trey, you mentioned um, you know, how far it's come in just a short period of time. And, and I want to demonstrate to that, that to people. Can you, for a second, can you just give me a few seconds of the dogs in the snow? Just for, for context, that this is what Sora can make now, these dogs in snow. I mean, that is not, mm -hmm. that's wild and also among the most adorable things I've ever seen in my life. Okay, so <laughs> that's what Sora can make now. I'm gonna show you a video that was posted last year that represents about the best that AI could do in taking a few lines of text and producing a video. I'm not joking, this is about the best they could do less than one year ago. Wow, I didn't realize the sound was still gonna be in that. That is, if you couldn't guess, the rock eating rocks. And mm -hmm. that is the best it could do. And now it's like photorealistic golden retrievers playing in the snow. And those mm -hmm. videos are so good that like, it's hard to notice the flaws in a lot of these, even if you know it's AI. If you're like, if your dad didn't know that was AI, there's no way he would suspect that it was. Mm -hmm. And right now, they're making golden retrievers. But what could they make Ilhan Omar say? You know? Yeah. What could they make AOC say? What could they do right. with a video of Barack Obama? Like, we should be concerned about this being used not by OpenAI. They're gonna have protections or whatever for like revenge porn, but also disinformation. There are a lot mm -hmm. of reasons to be worried about this. And this is less than one year progress from the rock eating rocks to the videos you saw. Where is it going to be in a couple of years? I mean, the, the Biden campaign is like, oh, please, 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 please. I hope it's there because we need artificial intelligence. Joe Biden, let's go, baby. A video of him with let's his face go. in the snow. We're, 
a video. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, but seriously, they can't wait because they will absolutely deploy AI Joe because that will be way better than whatever they have right now. Um, once again, the CPUs are like massively consumptive. Just to do what? Have puppies in snow? Get a puppy. <laughs> Go put a puppy in snow right now. I will. I will. Trey. Yeah. No, I mean, the, the, you know, all that type of the revenge porn disinformation, all that, you know, you say what you want about the implications for the entertainment industry. And obviously, I feel strongly that that should be regulated too. But those aspects of it, like, they need to be working on that in DC, like right yeah. now. You know what I mean? Like, that needs to be codified, outlaw, you know, and outlined in legislation, like sooner than later because of how fast this is moving. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, it. I I had been sort of uh, shrugging it off mostly up until like literally last night when I and then, and now I'm. It's like it's been a paradigm shift for me personally. I'm, yeah, not the wolves are to at it. the gate. Yeah, they are. I mean, it's yeah, pretty it's wild. The barbarians. I forgot who's at the gate. Someone's my, at the gate. I'm not I sure think it's both was. barbarians with wolves. Yeah, but I think yeah. that uh, my only hope, and I said this last time about the, is that. When it gets there and they Netflix or ever starts putting out fully AI produced con series and stuff, which you we all know that they will. My only hope is that when that happens, there's some kind of at least uncanny valley effect to it where it's just not the same for people. Do you know what I mean? Like mm. it's just not as good. It can do it can replicate it, but it will never be quite the same. And people will be able to discern that even if subconsciously, and therefore they won't. Or, or if failing yeah. that, maybe we'll all be like the equivalent of vinyl records in a few years, and hipsters <laughs> will still like us. And that'll be enough to. I love how low your with. bar is. I yeah, love right. how low. I'm. I'm like, let's get a universal basic income before oh, you, yeah, you know, cool. displace us. You're like, just, just something so we can know. Yeah. yeah. So when we're <laughs> flooded in climate change, icy waters. We'll know that we're the real people and they're fake. Uh, Hope so. I, I, yeah, I'm very concerned. You can put a watermark on it, but I, I agree. Like, I just, I hope that there's still some place for like artisanal, locally sourced, free range human creativity. So, yes. <laughs> hopefully, yes. Gen Z and Gen Alpha will like that stuff because otherwise, there's an iceberg ahead. I don't think most people see it. Okay, that is unfortunately mm -hmm. all the time we have for the first hour of the show, a supersized first hour. But Francesca, I hear you're traveling to the SAC area. Tell us about it. Thank you. Um, the Sacramento area in California. Come to the punchline on March 17th at 7 p.m. at Sacramento punchline. I already said that. Uh, I'll be there. My husband, Matt Lieb, who is a comedian, will also be doing stand up there. It'll be super fun. I hope to see nice. you there. Nice. And Trey? Yeah. Uh yeah, I'm on tour. I got a bunch of stuff. My next ones are in Indianapolis, and I'll be in D.C. and Virginia and Pittsburgh and a bunch of other places coming up. So just go to TreyCrowder.com, T-R-A-E Crowder.com nice. and come see me. And uh, come Monday, I'll be on the damage report. For the next two days, I'm not doing anything, so don't try to reach me. But for now, we'll see you in a bit. <laughs>